I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to another edition of the day after Inside Carolina's weekly Sunday show. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They are the title sponsor of this show. talking off air as we were getting ready to roll and I said I felt like we've been here before I felt like I've talked to you and Jason in this exact same scenario your overall thoughts so we can dig into this one well my my thoughts went back to way before Jason and you and I were ever thought of doing this my thoughts went back to 1996 in Charlottesville uh, against Virginia uh, the only difference there is uh, that both teams were pretty good in '96. Virginia was good, and North Carolina was good, but North Carolina just lost to an inferior team, and uh, they came into the game. Uh, Jason uh, and I talked off the air, and I said that Virginia came into the game with a plan, and Jason opine that North Carolina did not have a plan. I think that kind of sums it up. And the other piece that I'll add on the tail end of that is we talk a lot about uh, counters in this podcast. And when Virginia did what they did, North Carolina didn't have a counter. And or they had one and didn't use it. Uh, either way, that's that's my initial thoughts on the whole thing. Jason, get in here. Like Buck said, plan versus no plan. Um, bottom line, it's a 31-27 law, inexplicable loss for North Carolina. I knew Buck was going to bring up 96 because I was thinking about 96. Um, and my initial thought was going to be 96 has company. And uh, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But Jason, initial thoughts after watching that one. Yeah, I mean, so if any of the folks in the uh, in the chat – came into this game maybe a little hungover whatever i i i kind of understand it because the team you watched last night looked hungover too that game virginia took the fight to carolina from play one they came out more physical came out absolutely determined 
to make this a football game. And I thought North Carolina came in still partly in the, in the, in the Miami game. I mean, they, they did not look like they, they came in with the same kind of uh, physicality and just, if you watch the defense in this game, they didn't, they were not playing with their hair on fire the way that they have in a few games this year. And I thought offensively there, there was just a bit of disjointedness and I didn't think they were especially physical on the offensive line at different points. This just looked like a team that came in unprepared, frankly, and a team that, that had not come in fully ready to compete in this game. And that's what we talked about on the, on the game plan podcast. I mean, the one thing we, we we did get right in the game plan podcast was when we said, well, you know, there's a lot of places, a lot of similarities in the, in the between this game, the setup, and, and last year's Georgia Tech game. Yep. Well, looks like Lucy took the football away again, right? I mean, this was very much the Georgia Tech game last year again, where you're coming in, you're you're rolling, you're in a good spot, and you just lay an egg. You're not prepared to hit back against a team that 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 punches you a couple times early, gets you real in a little bit, and you're not ready to respond with the kind of physicality and uh, and uh, Buck, you mentioned a couple of the counters. I don't even know that you needed counters in this game, but you know, uh, how many times did Hampton touch the ball in the last thirty plays? Uh, he had five carries in the second half. So not many. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he had something like five touches in the last 30 plays. So, I mean, it's not even just about counters. It's about like, look, that guy was running with, with success through most of this game. And yet you go up 24 to 14 and then he barely touches it from there. So, you know, understand what you're, understand what you do well in that game, understand what you're not doing well. And what that, that certainly was not pass protection. So understand where you are and just go ahead and, and run that game out. Ride ride the running game a bit more. I'm not sure why they didn't just go ahead and, and hand the ball off. Uh, and then if you're if they're gonna load it up a little bit, run some read game stuff. Get Drake May using his using his legs a little bit if they're gonna load it up and really try to key on on Hampton and run that game out because you're struggling throwing the football and struggling, especially pe- protecting Drake May. I mean you go all the way to the final play of the game. Why did they? Why did that interception happen? It's because they gave up yet another hit on the quarterback. He was playing, you know, he was playing hurried the whole game, and and yet that that was the way that they set this up. I, I just think this was a this was a a systemic failure on like four levels. I mean, in terms of players being ready to play, in terms of some scheme stuff on both sides of the ball, they got out schemed. In terms of special teams, there was like, what, 180? 184 hidden yards. 184-yard differential in hidden yards in field position. Well, we gave them a field goal on one occasion just because we couldn't punt the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, this was a a failure across every level of the North Carolina football program. That's it in a nutshell to me. Yeah, that that's you know we always talk about, and Max talked about it a lot. We've talked about it a lot. You play twelve plus games, however many you play, you're you're going to get max effort, max focus from your players on four or five of them. It's those other ones you have to find out a way to win. And Buck, 
reflecting back to your column from Friday and to Jason's point and looking at the game, you're up 24 to 14. Virginia can't stop Hampton. He's got six yards of carry, which is, you know, you take that all day, every day. And they quit doing it. You see a team that is struggling to be focused. Guys are dropping passes. We mentioned off there, Nate McCollum dropped more passes yesterday than he's dropped in his entire career. It happens. It can't happen, but it happens. But when you're doing something that's just as easy as handing the ball off to 28 and you don't, to Jason's point, Buck, that's the failure that I saw out there. There was no bailout for guys or or players just having a rough, rough day. You got to press the right button to just try to figure it out. Across the nation yesterday, teams figured it out. Go ahead, Jason. I'm going to jump in here for a second just just to build on that point of Omari and Hampton. Hampton averaged 5.9 yards per carry in this game. Okay. Here are his five second half carries. First and 10, run for 18. First and 10, run for eight. Second and two, run for six. First and 10, run for zero. Second and 10, run for four. And that last one was with 8.51 left in the fourth quarter, and he did not run the ball again in the game. This is not a situation of Virginia started figuring it out and managed to kind of force him to do something else. This is his last five carries went for 18, 8, 6, 0, and 4. And then he just didn't touch it again. When you're up, you're winning the game at that point. Buck, get in. Run the damn ball did not happen. Uh, yeah, it did not happen. And, you know, there were there were other things they could have done as well. Um, I think there was room uh, for getting uh, Caleb Hood in the game, uh, particularly, you know, in the passing game, throw more passes to the, to the backs in space. Um, I think they could, that could have helped. I think they could have gone to their tight ends a little bit more. Um, there were things they could have done, uh, besides hand the ball to Hampton, even though, um, he ran the ball only what 19 times, he's not going to run it 50 times, right? You're not going to run a guy 50 times in a game, uh, which is what, um, that's not what. Virginia did, but they ran everybody they had in their backfield, uh, you know, double-digit times. And they ended up with, like, 54 rushes. Was it 54, 58? Yep, yep. 54 for you know, 228. You're not, not going to run Amari and Hampton 54 times. Um, but you could have gotten other players maybe involved in the game, especially – you know, uh, backs in the passing game instead of having to run the ball, uh, some, something short to the backs or something, um, that, uh, to somebody on the edge, that's uh, as good as a running play. Um, things like that would, uh, would have helped a lot. Uh, but you know, obviously you can't run Hampton 50 times, but you could have done other things, uh, to have run the ball and matched, the production that uh, Virginia was getting in a running game. Stopping the run was just as important, and which is North Carolina's done that this year, and they Virginia's not run the ball on anybody. They're averaging like 99 yards a game. I think they may have uh, 
ran the ball well on William and Mary, but I don't think they brought William to that game. Um, so, you know, we, we may not, you, you were, you were just saying, Tommy, uh, the, you look at the, at the, uh, situation of, of carries of Omari and Hampton. You're right. We, 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 we can't say, oh, well, you know, they should have run him 54 times. Right. But you, you know how many running, how many, uh, uh, rushing attempts Virginia had collectively? 54. Yeah. Omari and Hampton would have had 30 at least. Yeah. yeah. You could have given Omari and 30 and then, you know, agreed. But, and then, you know, and, you have to uh, get other people involved, and I think yeah. there are ways to do that. Yep, yep. I, I just think they, I think they came in really unprepared for what they saw, and you know, I got a text from my dad last night saying, "You, you, you really should have seen this coming a bit more." I've been watching some Virginia coming into this one, and they, you know, they've been they've been bad, but they've improved every week, and they've been you know figuring out who they are, and they've been getting more physical and all of that. And it's like, well, thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah. But that may that may be true, and and look, they have been getting better. They've won their last two games now. But you know, you look at the you look at what this game was, and this was Paris Jones getting four carries for sixty-seven. Mike Hollins getting fifteen carries for sixty-six. Tony Musket, the quarterback, running quarterback, gave him fits given uh, for 12 carries for 66 yards, Kobe pace, 11 carries for 30 yards and collectively as a team, 54 carries for 228 yards, three scores and a 4.2 yards per carry average sack adjusted 4.6. And then Carolina sack adjusted rush yards, 5.6 yards per carry. But the difference is 29 rushes as collectively, including sacks. Yeah, we, 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 you know, a lot of times we talk about play calling and all that. Uh, you you got to run the football. This it's, is less about play calling than just doing having it. the plan of like we're. You know, this is a this is a head coach getting on the on the headset and, and you know and also coming into the week saying, look, they've had trouble stopping the run. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pound it. Not even about if just only I had a thought calling. of that at some point last week. You know. I can't imagine yeah. what column you'd have written if you had thought about running the ball. Yeah. And you know, like, that you you, you're you right. They should have had a better plan. They should have had a better plan to run the ball um, against Virginia. But um, the the thing that is concerning is that once the passing game began to show some serious cracks in terms of uh, people dropping passes and, you know, uh, I, it wasn't as um, obvious in in some cases. Like you know, Devontae's Walker had 11 catches, but he was targeted 18 times. That's not uh, typical for for Walker. And and the other uh, guys on the receiving end of the ball from uh, Drake, lots of them had drop passes. I mean, we, obviously we know Nate McCollum, but uh, several of the guys like JJ Jones, he, um, had 10 targets and only caught five balls. So it wasn't just, uh, the drop balls though. Drake wasn't, he didn't like in baseball terms. He didn't have his best stuff last he night. Really right. Didn't. 
Um, so, you know, that was showing up. He was just missing people. Sometimes I didn't know who he was throwing the ball to. Um, and, and once that started happening, once you could see that and the drops were contagious, um, at that point, maybe you should have made an adjustment and said, Hey, that's it. You know, maybe we should run the ball a little bit more because what we're trying to do is not working. Uh, so uh, I think it's both not having that plan to run the ball going in. And the other part is once what you were trying to do was sort of falling apart, maybe you should have, uh, gone back to the drawing board a little bit, started calling, uh, a few more, uh, runs. So there's that. Yeah, and I, uh, I want to uh, mention Garrett Clemens here for a second, uh, in the chat. He talked about field position and that was something that was, we saw all night long. Uh, they had field position for most of the night. And a lot of that was our punting. Uh, their punter was averaging over 50 yards, um, you know, a kick and North Carolina was under 40 and on one occasion under 20. So, uh, the field position game and, um, you know, the failure to make adjustments, uh, all of that played into it. But, you know, it, it, I think you have to, you can look at those individual things, which for the most part, uh, start, start to get the feel of being a symptom, but the overall disease was, I think maybe as Jason referred to at the top of the show, which was they were still hung over from the high of beating Miami the way they did. Uh, and the, the physicality before. of that game. Yeah. And the, I mean, I, I think I think they came into this, you know, as a as a team that had not fully recovered from how not just emotional but physical that football game was. Yeah. One thing that you know, I always 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 listen to all the pressers, and, and but I listened to Tony Elliott after that, and he said his guys. He talked about the last year. I mean, they haven't beaten the FBS team in a year. Now, we know what's going on at Virginia since then, um, and it's been hell for that program. But he talked about a lot about deserving stuff, and he said a lot of people think these kids deserve something. He said, but it's not about what you deserve. It's about what you earn every week. And, and he was obviously happy. But, Jason, despite all of what we've already talked about, you've got the ball – with four minutes left, I believe it was, and then went under with a minute and some change left. What an opportunity to win the game, in spite of it all. And it it kept feeling like to me like this is going to be. It wasn't on Josh Downs, but everybody remembers Josh Downs' catch or non-catch against Georgia Tech. It felt like that. What do you see in the last two drives from North Carolina? Is it just more of the same? I mean, what was going on there? In spite of it all, they had it on their. You could not ask for a better scenario than have that game on your uh, generational quarterback. And had it twice. You couldn't get it done. Yeah, I, I thought more than anything, it was just a matter of the the protection kept breaking down. Yeah. They couldn't protect him. And I thought on the four-minute drive, I, I thought they that was one where I, watching it live, and this is one of those things, I, you guys know, I try not to second-guess if I'm not actually making the judgment during the game, if I'm not having that thought like before the play, then I don't want to just judge by results. 
And this is one where I'm not second guessing. I'm first guessing because I know what I was thinking during the, during the drive. My thought during the four minute situation was, okay, you got four minutes. You got enough time here to stay balanced. And they've been pressuring your quarterback. So what, what do you have? What do you have up in your bag to make sure you, you, you use a little bit of run? You, you just tempo it, but you run the ball a little bit. You tempo it, and you make sure you're doing what you can to keep the defense off balance. You can't let him pin, it, pin back and come after him because if you just try to throw it, you're probably going to have some trouble. You just have all night. And, you know, you go down, that, down the list of that drive. Let me pull up the plays here. Uh, you go down the list of that final uh, of that four minute drive, and Drake May passed complete deep left for Tyshawn uh, uh, Chapman. Okay, thirty three yards, great start. Then complete short middle to Devontae Walker, great great start. And then first and ten, Drake May sacked. Second and ten, second and twelve, Drake May incomplete pass. Third and twelve, Drake May incomplete pass deep left. Fourth and twelve, incomplete pass short four straight incompletions at that point. And at a certain point, once that f- first and 10 went down, I, you know, you still have what th- uh, three, it was about three forty at that point. Th- Plenty of time to me when they got to that, that sack and now they're second and 12. I'm sitting there going, okay, what do you have to try to get back to reasonable yardage? How can you get out of this long yardage? Because long yardage was a problem for them all night. Because Virginia kept dropping back with, you know, they played soft over the top with the coverage on certain stuff. Uh, And, you know, Carolina didn't do a great job getting off single coverage when they had it. But they, they, they did a great job of, of essentially, making it difficult to for for Drake to have big windows to throw it into and not having stuff downfield while bringing some pressure and they kept winning at the at the point of attack this is an offensive line that struggles to pass block and when they're in those long yardage pass first situations they 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 kept giving up a lot of pressure and and, and Drake had trouble and it doesn't help when you have a couple drops so to me, that was where, again, first guessing it, my thought is, okay, what do you have to get back to, to, to third and six? You know, third and, third and four. And then you, can, then you can play ball. And I thought that was one of those things that, that just kept coming up in this game is they get into long yardage and then, then start to struggle. I'm looking here, what's the uh, average third down and uh, distance to go for Carolina was six and a half. And they were 0 for 4 on third and longs. Not So they had four third, third and longs that were third and nine or more. Mm. They were 0 for 4 on those. They were 4 for 5 on third and short. That's third and four or less. So problem is they had a bunch of third downs that were you know third and five third and five or more in this game and they struggled on those and this they came into the season as the or it came into this game as the number one team in the country i believe or uh, number one team in, in fbs 
as uh, on on third down conversions, but they they struggled to protect and then struggled to execute in the passing game just in general. They were one for nine on third down in this game, passing the football, which, I mean, if you looked at the numbers coming in, Drake May on third down was by far the best numbers in the country. And so, and so you can, I mean, here's, here's where I'm going to step back and take another angle on this. And I'm going to say from the coaching staff perspective, I understand why they would just say, let's just keep throwing it on, you know, okay. Third and seven, let's just throw it again. Like, let's just do what we've done all year. Because, look, I mean, this can't keep going on, right? I mean, Drake's not just going to keep missing guys. Guys aren't going to just keep dropping it. We've been able to do this all season. Let's just do what we do. And I get that part. I mean, that's the part as a coach where you say, you know, look, it's gonna, we're going to bounce back. This is what we do. You know, we're, we're going to keep being able to do this. The problem is, and this is the balance as a coach, when do you decide tonight's just not that night? We gotta, we gotta, you know, take a slightly different approach because we're not doing what we're doing, what we normally do on in third down passing. We're not getting the time. We're, we are dropping the football. We're, what, what do we need to do that's a little different? And that's the hard balance of coaching. And this is where I don't want to give this staff a pass, but if you are looking at, you know, the well, why didn't they do it differently? They've been the best passing team on third down in the country coming into this game. And then that that's the thing that fell apart. The thing that I would say is just you need to notice a little bit earlier that your guys are just a just a little bit out of sorts, out of sync on that, and downshift and figure out what you need to do to make sure you win despite not having your your good stuff on that. And and that's what I think they didn't do well. And I thought the first drive, by the way, was the drive like I watched the first like three plays, four plays. That first drive, I went, uh oh. I don't know about you, Buck. Did you did you do the same thing? I I, I was going to say that I was kept trying to think. I was thinking about, hey, I'm going to jump in on top of Jason here. But, you know, at some point, you've got to look down at the stat sheet and see that you've had four three and outs. Somebody asked that question in, in chat, how many uh, three and outs we had. And if you've got four three and outs, uh, You've got to decide, you've got to figure, Hey, we're having a little trouble, uh, doing our normal thing tonight. Uh, we need to, to go back to a, a different way of trying to get that third down than what we're doing, which is not working and is resulting in lost possessions, um, which some ways a three and out is, you know, um, so, you know, when you get that many three and outs, which I, I I would say that's probably the most they've had this season. I'm just off the top of my head. I don't know that, but um, they had four, three and outs. And Virginia's defense, this is not the 85 Bears, you know. There's the uh, line. Cross that one off your bingo, everybody. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're not the greatest defense in the country. You know, you should be able to move the ball on them and stay ahead of the chains. So, um, yeah, at some point they needed to, to actually get a, a, take a hard look at what, what they're doing and how it's working. And those two things don't match up. You need to try to do something else. Uh, if you're going to try to win the game, the fact that they still had a chance to win the game at the very end is surprising, but 
also Virginia was 24 point underdogs for a reason. They're not a very good team. And, uh, it's not surprising that, uh, the favorite in the game had a chance to win at the end when they were that big of a favorite. So, uh, and and yeah. frankly, they shouldn't they, they shouldn't have had a chance to win because they got the break points of all gifted to them yeah. basically. They got yeah. the break of all breaks with the you know fumble going into the end zone and through the end zone, which is the most. And they picked one in the end zone. Yeah, yeah, but the, I mean the pick was was just a, a really good defensive play. I mean that was sure, textbook sure. on how to cover that. So you know a little bit less of a break, and you know you made your break there. The other right. one, I mean, that was just flat out a, a phenomenal, like unbelievable gift from the gods kind of break. Yeah. Where, you know, you get the ball fumbled going into the end zone and rolling through the end zone. And that, by the way, is two weeks in a row where you've had a, a running back fumble going into the end zone on the one, you know, inside the one yard line. Uh, this and this week that that doesn't happen. Virginia wins this game by 10 points. Or more. Virginia it is was a, a better football team out there than, uh, on on Saturday, and that was the thing that was honestly that was really surprising to me as somebody who's, you know, as as analysts we don't get everything right. I think we do a pretty dang good job. And on this one, I I, I was I was really surprised to see Virginia just look like the better team. If you not told me what the record of those two teams was coming into this game, I wouldn't have thought that that was a, that was the situation. I agree. Uh, I said, and before we flip script, talk about the defense, I said last week um, we'd find out about this North Carolina team in these next two weeks. And to your point, Jason, Virginia looked better prepared, um, executed better, and looked like the better football team for a large portion of the night. And to get that gift that you said, the gift of the gods, the ball bouncing through the end zone, uh and then not capitalize on it after everything that had gone wrong. It is just it's tough to watch, it's tough for the fan base to watch. I will say, um, Trav in the chat needs to stop spamming the chat. I mean, there's a lot of people in here, um, but say something constructive or whatever, just stop spamming the chat. But anyway, anything left on the offensive side before I take a break, come back and talk about the North Carolina defense because I think there is some, uh, there's some stuff to go around there as well. Anything left offensively, Jason? But uh, not that wouldn't be beating a dead horse. Exactly. That horse is dead. Dead and bloated. Talk about Johnny T-shirt. Johnny T-shirt.com. They can, uh, they can, you know, make you feel better in the morning when you go by there and you visit them and they you're greeted with great customer service. Um, nice folks there, alumni owned and operated. They've got everything you need, North Carolina related online or in person, go see them. Smiling face will help you on in person, make you feel better. And they'll, they'll help you get exactly what you need. Jerseys, basketball jerseys, football jerseys, anything. Mm. Visit them, visit them at Franklin on East Franklin street or visit them online. It's Johnny t-shirt of course, great sponsors of this podcast. And if you're a premium subscriber, which if you're in the chat and you're not, um, you might want to get that. Cause I can imagine some film breakdowns from Mr. One, Jason Staples, will be interesting this week. Uh, check them out and you get that 10% off. National guys pay the bills. It's the day after. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay. Buck Sanders, I'm going to come to you. It's Inside Carolina's day after. Of course, I mentioned Johnny T-shirt already. The defense, Virginia had not run the ball for an average of 100 yards on the season, and the defense just could not find it. Jason mentioned it earlier. They had three guys with 66 yards Paris had 67 um, but rushed the ball for 228 yards Buck is it another focus thing is it a not taking them seriously I mean what'd you see from the North Carolina defense especially on the ground um, that just prevented them from getting getting Virginia in any tight situations offensively it felt like well for one thing um their quarterback ran the ball better on North Carolina than I think any other quarterback has this year I don't know what, how that was. Maybe they just didn't, um, concentrate on his ability to run the ball. Uh, you know, several points I was looking at the, watching the game and, um, North Carolina had, um, held their, uh, passing to like 150 yards, you know, and late the third quarter, early fourth quarter. And, uh, so they were sh- shutting down the pass for the most part, but, um, and I think, um, Chapman, he's playing a lot. Holloway didn't play much in this game. I, I think, uh, Holloway only got like six snaps and, uh, Chapman, uh, played like the, almost the entire game. Um, so, and I think he played pretty well as uh, on top of that. I think the, the secondary played pretty well there, except, you know, how many times do you remember hearing Elijah Hussey's name called last night? Uh, not a lot. Um, and, and so maybe that's a good thing for most players in the secondary, but how many games has it been this year where Hussey didn't make a difference making kind of play an interception, uh, uh drop dead tackle at the line of scrimmage or, um, uh, make his presence felt in some particular way. Um, that doesn't really speak to the issues that the defensive line had and they had them. And this is, this looked like the defensive line from the app state game. Um, they, they just could not get anybody on the ground. Um, it just was a disaster. This is the old 
UNC defensive line we're all used to seeing from last year, just getting gashed over and over and over again and not being able to ever stop a drive um, because they just can't stop the run. I don't have an explanation for it. If I did, I'd, I'd uh, knock on Mac's door and ask for, you know, six figures to give him the solution. Um, but for whatever reason, they just reverted to type and just could not stop anybody, no matter what their name was, whether it was uh, Jones or Hollins or Musket or Pace or any of them. They couldn't stop any of them. Um, so I think that's the game in a nutshell. I mean, the, the two things is North Carolina not running the ball, even though they could, and not being able to stop Virginia from running the ball. Uh, we've talked about um, you know, snap counts and all that, and North Carolina has done a, a really excellent job, I think, on the season not having guys with so many snaps in a game. Jason, you see how many snaps Rucker had last night? I haven't yet. What was it? 86 snaps for Cayman Rucker. That's a bit much. That's a bit much, and I think you could tell a little bit late that he was run down. Miles Murphy, 52. Kevin Hester, 50. Especially, to your point, coming off that game against Miami when it was just a physically and emotional game. Well, for Rucker had 65, I think, against Miami. Yeah, but that's 21 more. That's still too many. Yeah, that's, still, I mean, I mean, I that's could, a lot. If I could jump in for just a second. Um, one thing that I did think about in terms of being able to stop the run just occurred to me as I was watching the green game is that, um, I thought uh, Virginia did a really good job of using tempo. Um, they tempoed the crap out of North Carolina's defensive line. They would barely let them get set before they'd snap another play. So, and, and you could see what made me think of that is she's talking about the snap counts. They had 87 snaps. Of course they had the ball for 37 minutes. Um, over uh, North Carolina's 24 or whatever it was. Um, but I thought they did a really good job when they had the ball to, to get to the line quickly and snap the ball. And uh, North Carolina, I don't think I've seen a lot of that um, tempo-heavy kind of offense this year before now. Since App State. Jason, what was the issue for North Carolina's defensive front? They – Matt called out the front seven specifically in the post game. Uh, I mean, I, I I have no explanation, so I'll turn to you to to give us one. Uh, North Carolina just could not handle Virginia, whatever they did. Virginia had a bye week, and they changed some things up. That's obvious. Um, and on offense, we could say they should just run the football. But on defense, what did you see, Jason? Well, you know, I, I think most of the yardage that they got in the running game was on, you know, the, the same the same basic stuff they ran a ton of outside zone and they had a lot of a lot of success on outside zone and i need to i need to take a look at what the actual numbers are i'm going to pull those up uh the next time bucks going on what the difference you know how many yards they gave up on outside zone versus everything else but they just absolutely struggled to to handle things on outside zone and then when they started to get a little bit of a, uh, you know, they, they get one play where the, you know, they're in position on outside zone. And that's when, that's when the quarterback would pull it and it'd be outside zone read. And then you'd get the quarterback running, you know, with nobody within, within sight 
for five, six, seven yards, and they just were able to stay on schedule. Uh, one of the things, and and you know, I thought actually there was one run play, and I don't remember exactly when it was. Uh, it was the second or third touchdown? I think it was the third touchdown for Virginia, where uh, the back the back was hit at the you know about two yards past the line of scrimmage, you know, somewhere in there, and then just got about seven yards after after contact, just broke that tackle, and then just kept his feet moving, went seven yards after contact, and then scored mm-hmm. on that play from about the nine-yard line or whatever. I need to find that play. That's one I think I'm going to probably break down. But that play sort of typified things of even when they did get to the ball carrier, they got to the ball carrier and and did not lay, lay, in, lay the lumber. You know, Virginia's running backs, they were the hitters in this game. Virginia was able to consistently not fall forward, but break a tackle and then and then fall forward. And Carolina had trouble getting people on the ground. And there were a lot of missed tackles in this game. And there was a lot of yards after contact in this game. So you pair that with, I thought the, the defensive line had a very hard time. I, I didn't think they got off blocks well at all in the, uh, in the outside zone. And the thing about outside zone is it's really easy to get passive when you're playing against outside zone. Because the whole goal of outside zone on the offensive side is you're taking a big step to one side or the other. Everybody is. And then you're just trying to get movement horizontally. And if you don't get the edge set on the outside with by the defensive end to where it's just a hard edge, then the whole line of scrimmage is just going to keep moving until a seam develops and then the back is going to cut where they're, where, where something opens up. So if you get too much penetration from one spot, and not enough from another, then that's going to open a seam. If one guy is able to, you know, keep moving and, and to try to stay in his gap, but does it too much, he gets washed, and that opens up another another seam. What you have to do is you have to be able to hold your ground and stop that horizontal movement without losing your spot, without without giving up your your gap. That's a lot easier said than done, and. Carolina didn't do it very well. And the other thing that I thought is I thought they were, I thought just overall they were too passive on defense in terms of their approach when Virginia did start getting the running game going. Where they had some success, they brought up another, a, a safety into the box and they got some, they got some, uh, some aggressiveness up front to get after the quarterback to have the extra plus one for the, for the pull and really turn that, that front seven loose and, and, and run blitz and do some of that stuff. They did some of that, but I thought they did. I I thought they didn't do enough of it. This is a game where, again, we knew coming in, how many guys caught the ball for them, Tommy on the year? I mean, two basically. yeah. Yeah. They had two guys who did anything in the passing game all season. And in this game, you had one guy, with 12 catches, then you had the 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 H-back, fullback type guy, Sackett, with three catches, and nobody else with more than one. They did the same thing over and over all night. Yeah, so it seemed to me that defensively, Carolina was willing to let Virginia be basically set the terms and dictate 
rather than saying, okay, so this is what your plan is going to be. All right, fine. We're going to take that away and we're going to dictate to you. And if it takes putting nine in the box and single covering every guy you have going zero and just saying, beat us over the top, you're not going to be able to do this anymore. And this is one of those things that actually I'm getting more frustrated watching more college football these days by defensive coordinators who, who refuse to do that. To me, if you've got a team where the quarterback's a little, you know, not, he's not as uh He's not he's not 100% reliable. You've got one wide receiver you worry about and everybody else is not really that that scary. You know what? There's time there, there's time and place in in football to say, "You know what? If you're going to beat us, beat us. 80 yards, fine. We'll we'll be willing to give up a couple big plays, but you're not going to keep doing this that you've been able to do to us all game. Take that one thing away." And I didn't think Carolina did that. I did not think that Carolina decided at a certain point okay, screw it. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and we're going to put nine in the box. We're going to eliminate safety help. And we're going to one-on-one because we think we can do that with these guys. We're going to force them to beat us another way. They, they didn't, they didn't make that change. And I thought by, you know, third quarter when Virginia was starting to continue to, or was continuing to have success in the running game there, it's like, okay, look, you, you got to, you got to shut that down. If it takes being a little more aggressive than you're comfortable with, sometimes that's what you got to do. And that was, that was my take on it. And, you know, second watch may, may, may be corrective for me on that, but that was my take as I was watching it. Yeah. It, it is. We always hear about adjustments. You never hear about just totally scrapping whatever plan we had and let's do something totally different during a game. Maybe it's not possible, but to your point, Jason, Virginia did the same thing over and over and had a lot of success and it was never figured out. Buck, um, you know, we're 45 minutes in. We've talked about this one. I don't know how much more you can say about this game. People are hammering special teams. We talked about the punter. I mean, Tom McGinnis is brand new. This is the first time he's done it. He came in. He played well against Miami. Um, struggled. They put in Cole Maynard. Um, you know, how many times on a season do you see teams lose a starting punter, lose a starting kicker, um, and maybe now lose, um, you know, a second kicker. I don't know. Jones mentioned that as well. But you got to figure it out on special teams. You got to have somebody that can punt the ball decently, or just go for it every time and play the score tastic or, or static, the stats, and, and go for it. But Buck, what's left here for North Carolina after this game? I think we'd be remiss to say they have one loss. The ACC championship game is still in their hands. Um, you got a trip to Georgia Tech, who, Buck, I know that's your favorite trip ever, is going down to Atlanta and watch Georgia Tech football. Uh, there, there's so much left to play for. I can't for. wait for it to be a noon game. That'll be perfect. <laughs> you know, there'll be, be like 5,000 people in the stands uh, down there in Atlanta. You know, I, I think um, we, we could go on and on, but uh, as I want to say, I think we've plucked all the feathers off this turkey. Um, and instead bingo. what we need to be, we need to be, <laughs> another uh, bingo. I've, I need two more for my bingo so I can stand up and say bingo. <laughs> uh, High discipline. You know, I, I could have said, uh, that, uh, that day came in Rucker has got a lot of dog in him. That was what I could have said. But... <laughs> bingo. <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, I think what we need to do, uh, for people who don't know, that's an inside joke. That's what Jason, uh, he was doing his uh, Buck Sanders impression on the radio yesterday. <laughs> uh, I think what we should be talking about at this point is we already know that North Carolina has a tough time handling success, right? Um, I think they've played in the, since 98. They've played uh, six games now, I think, as a top 10 team and lost five of them. Or maybe if they've played seven and they've lost six at this point. But they just cannot seem to get over the hump of uh, getting into the Big Ten, uh, uh, top 10, and staying there. But the, the little Freudian slip there, Buck. Big little, ten. Well, you know, they may be getting the Big Ten easier than they can get in the top ten. Um, but the uh, the point we need to be talking now is how are they going to handle failure? Because this was a complete system failure, what we saw last night. So how are they going to finish uh, the season? How are they going to handle this failure? And we saw how that played out last year whether that was a hundred percent, uh, what was going inside their, uh, head, but after they lost to Georgia tech, the, all the wheels went off and all the air went out of the balloon, uh, for the Carolina season, how they respond to this game is going to be more important than us talking about the results of, uh, last night. They they've got to go down to Georgia tech and they've got to write the ship somehow. Um, how, how to go about that. We'll be talking about that all week. All of us will, uh, at inside Carolina, but, uh, that's the thing. That's the, the big concern. Now they can't handle success. Are they going to be able to handle failure? That's the point. Uh, no noon game at Georgia tech, but eight o'clock, eight. PM oh my God. ACCN. No there we go. Jason wrap us up here. Looking forward, Carolina 6-1, and one, uh, like I mentioned earlier, destiny still within their own hands. They're not at the point where you have to worry about other teams helping you out. Uh, you know, the people are, are devastated or whatever about the college football playoffs not an option anymore. <sighs> Let's stay in the present, folks. This is North Carolina football. Jason, they've got a lot to play for. I love Buck's point. How do they handle failure? Because Mac always talks about it. it's easier to coach um, up the negative portions after you win. But I think when you lose, um, you learn a lot about people to see how they can take the criticism without being able to say, yeah, we won anyway. Your take here going forward for North Carolina for this staff, because I think this was the failures of Saturday were not on one player. They were on the program. And I think we saw that. You've You've talked about that. Close us out. Yeah, the biggest thing to me is that this team needs to reassess where the, where they are in terms of are they going to be a team that dictates to the to the opposition what they're going to do? Are they going to are they going to I mean, we talked about this in the in the in the game plan podcast. If, you know, the motivation to play physical football and to come 100% committed each week is is a struggle for you if you need help getting motivated then maybe this game isn't for you and you know that <laughs> that turned out to be 
turned out to look like some of the problem in this. Um, I'm curious to see what happens to that motivation and to, and to whether or not this team is going to continue to make strides in being the physical aggressor and, uh, and, and dictating on offense and defense to the opposition, what they're going to take away and what they're going to do. And, you know, Georgia tech is a team that can beat you. So, I mean, I've said all year, this North Carolina team, as long as you got Drake may on your team, and, you know, that group of wide receivers, especially once you got Tez out there as well, this is a North Carolina team that can beat anybody. But they're not good enough, and especially in the trenches, they're not good enough where you look at that schedule and nobody on that schedule, I mean, other than other than uh, Campbell, I'm not sure Campbell can beat them. But outside of Campbell, there's nobody left on the schedule that can't beat you. I mean, they could lose out, but they also could win out. Right, the odds that they win out are, are 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 pretty slim. But this is a team that you've got to decide. Okay, look, we're not going to let this this sort of thing happen again. And you know, Georgia Tech's been a pretty physical team this year. They're gonna they're gonna look at what Virginia did, and they're gonna bring a lot of the same plan. And they're a team that also doesn't really throw the football very well, but they will test you in the running game. You're, they're gonna test your manhood. So, are you gonna answer that bell? And then you then you play Duke, and Duke is a good football team. So far this year, Duke's been a better team than North Carolina. They've been more complete on both sides of the ball, and they are really good up front. You're going to have to bring your A game to be able to stop Duke running the football. Duke ran the football decent against Clemson. They ran the football pretty well against Notre Dame. They ran the football well last night against Florida State. So... You better strap up and be ready to, to stop the run against them in a couple weeks. And this is where you're going to have to figure out what they've got to do or what you've got to do to be in position to win those games down the stretch against teams that are going to, that are going to be better up front, that are going to challenge you on both sides of the ball in that. And you know this is where the coaching staff is going to have to earn their money, earn their paychecks, because the, the schedule does get a lot harder from here. After after Georgia Tech and 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 we talked about that again this week, schedule's not getting easier from here. After Georgia Tech and, and Campbell, it gets real. Indeed, it does. North Carolina falls to Virginia thirty-one twenty-seven in a game that, if you're a Carolina football fan, you have seen before. I often say, and I'm gonna check the last bingo box. I've seen that movie before. We saw it on Saturday in Keenan Stadium. We'll see. I, I know that the fan base uh, is in the here we go again mode um, after last year and now this game this year. But North Carolina has an opportunity to right ship in, in Atlanta in the big ATL at 8 p.m. against Georgia Tech on Saturday night. Buck, it was great seeing you. I first must, before we get out, and Buck, I want you to comment on this. Shout out to all the people that come and talk and, and chat up the Inside Carolina tent and all that. You know, Jason, I either even had um, wonderful folks come ask when's Jason Staples ever coming down to the bowls lot. So, uh, you know, they, they wanted to talk to us, but they wanted to see Jason Staples. Shout out to everybody. Jeff Polly, I'll give you a shout out. Um, the sky's not falling, my friend. It is, uh, it will, the sun will come up today and tomorrow. It was great to see you in the chat and in the bowls lot as well. Buck. Speak to the fans, the Inside Carolina fans, about the support we get down there. I think it's a wonderful thing. 
Yeah, Tommy's already mentioned. Uh, we, we had a Jeffrey Polly's uh, fixture in these chats, and we had a chance to meet him and his wife. Uh, they're from Kentucky. Drove down to the game yesterday. I think their daughter plays uh, lacrosse, I believe, if I'm right, uh, for Lynchburg. And they were playing, um, let me see, Meredith in uh, lacrosse <laughs> yesterday. So, um, or today, I guess they're playing them. But anyway, uh, it was great to meet Jeffrey and his wife uh, and, and wonderful to meet people from just wherever. Um and, you know, it's, it's, uh, warms our heart that, uh, you guys give us a listen every Sunday morning and, um, and at other times, you know, we really appreciate you. Uh, we couldn't do it without you and we couldn't do it without our sponsors. And have we taken care of them today, Tommy? We're about to do it. I was going to let you tee it up and lead it in because I was going to talk about not only does inside Carolina have great fandom. And great followers, and it's always awesome to see people. But we have great sponsors. I mentioned Johnny T-shirt earlier, and I'll mention Congruity. As many people as come into North Carolina to watch football games, you need to take a moment to go to congruityhr.com, front slash Tar Heels. And if you're a small or mid-sized business owner, this is your opportunity to get a free assessment for all the things they can do for you. They're North Carolina-based. It's a national company. They're huge. They've done great work. You don't become a national brand and a national company without being really good at your job. Congruity is that. Darren and Matt and their team give you personalized experience, local service straight from this state. Uh, they empower your small and mid-sized business, like I said. HR and payroll outsourcing so that you can take care of growing your business while they take care of those people that we talk about all the time with the top-of-the-line technology. And just like everything that we we associate with here at, at uh, Inside Carolina, great customer service. And they'll transfer your organization through the good times and bad. Congruity doesn't care if Carolina wins or loses. They only care about building your base and building your business. So check them out at congruityhr.com, front slash Tar Heels. Learn more about it. Fill out the form. Get your free assessment. And get in on the game that Buck Sanders just talked about. Great to associate with Inside Carolina. Great to have them be a sponsor of this show as well. Their logo's on the board. But it was a cool day. But I must say that uh, pretty days don't make for pretty football. North Carolina heads to Atlanta 6-1. and one, But an opportunity to handle business in a place, a house of horrors. No better place to be in Atlanta than 8 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. When yeah. you got to win, we're, we're two and ten down there, so we should be all excited. You know, in the <laughs> last uh, ten games, we've won two. I think it is. A, it'll be an interesting game. Look forward all week to see Jason Staples drop his video breakdowns. There's a lot to, lot to. Jason sort of puts it together in a way that normal folks like myself can understand why the why that happened, not what happened. We saw what happened. Jason will break down the why. It's going to be Ta a tough week to make to to pick from a wide selection of possibilities. Hey, the, the, the I wouldn't pick, it, I wouldn't pick any plays where we punted the ball. I would leave those <laughs> on the cutting room floor. It is always, uh, always, uh, yeah, you know, wins or losses, you still got to break down. We always got to go back to the film. Jason will handle that. Uh, shot and VIP later today or tomorrow morning. And then, of course, Noon Dish on the beat in the next game plan, Georgia Tech uh, next Thursday. And maybe maybe a next level or two in there as well. 
good day to be on Inside Carolina, North Carolina, 8 o'clock Saturday night. Buck, Jason, I'm Tommy. It's been the day after. Shout out to Congruity and Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring us. Everybody be safe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.